By the way, Nut is the goddess of the sky. It's the goddess that I pray to when I want it to rain, when I want it to sunshine. I need the weather to, to agree with me. It's the Egyptian version of the Midland Christian student prayer that says, God, help us to have a good day today. And God says, oh, you need a good day. Okay, great. You want everything to be wonderful? Yes. Okay, sure. I suggest you start praying to Newt and ask Newt to help you to have a good day because that's what the Egyptians did. Help us to have a nice day, nice weather, about 65 degrees, slightly downhill, you know, a little gentle breeze. Your God, by the way, and my God, are not, he's not interested in us having good days. He wants us to have meaningful, purposeful days. And he wants us to walk faithfully in whatever path he gives us. So yes, please don't pray to Newt and say, Mr. Dean told me I had to pray to Newt if I want a good day. Ask God for a good day, but just make sure you don't mean by good uh, a day where I don't need you, God. In other words, everything's so perfect that I don't need you because God's going to say, no, I'm not going to give you that day. Sorry. I love you too much. Okay. So um, <laughs> thunder and hail. This hail is killing Everything that it hits, because it's ramming the, the surface of the earth at however many meters per second that the acceleration of gravity is pulling on these hailstones that are massive hailstones, hitting animals and crushing them, hitting people and killing them instantly. You bet I'm going to hit my knees and begin to pray to Newt who's always listened before and she floods the Nile every year and my crops get watered and oh, the rain comes in its time and the sunshine comes in its time and then the winter and no, where are you? Everybody's dying. And the animals that didn't die from the pestilence are getting pelted with the hailstones. We'll bring them inside. There is no inside. Houses are for people, stables are for animals, but my stable has been turned into shredded wheat. <laughs> By this hail. What am I going to do? And Moses says, do you want to stop? Yeah. You sure? Yes, please. When? Now! Lord, would you please help it to stop right now? And the last stone falls. And Egypt. Okay, you know what? There's a pattern here. I'm done. I'm done. What's next? Plague eight? Locust. Guess who this was a blow to? This is a blow to Set. Set was the crop god, the god of all crops. You see how they have to work together? Nile, Hapi, has to work with Seth. And Kefir. It's the god of all crops. A crop of all crops. I had crop on the brain. <laughs> Stepped in a pile of crop. Okay, um. <laughs> I have to edit that from the class. All right. He's the God of all crops. Set. Well, the locusts come. Kefir's already dead. So this must be Moses' God. Well, that's fine. You bring the locusts. We're fine. We're Egypt. We're the most fertile country in the world. Bring it on, Pharaoh says. So God has a swarm of locust land that is so big and so massive that read the description. Read the description. The face of the ground cannot even be seen. Do you know how gross? Has anybody ever been walking and a grasshopper jumped and landed on your chest, on your shirt, on your shoulder, and you're like, ah, and it freaks you out, right? You don't want to just grab it and pull it off. It's like, I don't want to touch it. It's just freaking me. 
Imagine if everywhere, the, the torture it would be. And these are not grasshoppers. These are locusts about this long. Massive black locusts. And these things can eat anything. In fact, after the swarm of locusts that blots out the sun, by the way, when it lands, you can't even see the earth. It is literally covered from one end of the horizon to the other with black, moving, buzzing, chirping, devouring pestilence. Oh, man. I, I would love to watch a movie of the plagues one day. Not that I want to see the suffering of the Egyptians, but I want to see the grand scale of the locusts to see what kind of damage they could do. They're massive. No. Can't even protect. There's no protection. God says, no, please call on your gods. I, I encourage you to let's, is, is he on vacation? Seth, help me. God says, yell a little louder. He's taunting them. No, yell louder. I'm sure Seth's probably in the bathroom. He might be indisposed at the moment. We got a magazine. He's hey, whoa, hang on. I'm almost done. I can just see God. Just No, seriously, where is he? Oh yeah, that's right. There is no Seth. And if there is, he, he's a grasshopper to me. That's your God. You want to serve the real God? Yes. So Moses says, and all the locusts, an east wind blows, and they all just sort of disappear. They fly off. But, but Pharaoh hadn't had enough yet. And we're getting to the climax here of the movie. Day nine. See, I always wondered why this plague, this is kind of a weak one. Day nine, plague nine. Darkness. Sorry, I didn't mean to say day nine. Darkness, what kind of darkness? You're not reading the text. Yes, Jordan, it's a dark, so dark, you can feel it. And I'm gonna, oh, I can't wait. When you guys, you can read in your text, how many days did it last? Three, Three days of abs. Has anybody ever been in pitch black where you can't see your hand in front of your face? You can't see a shadow. You can't even see movement. I had a photography class in high school and we had to do dark rooms. And we had to take the, the film out of the camera. Any light at all and you ruin your exposure. And I remember, <laughs> it, was a, it was a big class about twice this big. The lights were out. There was no light in the entire room. And we were supposed to get our film and wrap it around this film reel so that we could put it in the solution. And I still remember slosh, slosh, turn, turn, slosh, slosh, turn, turns. Up, down, left, right, up. We had to do this forever. And our teacher would yell, don't pour the fixer down the drain. Because you can reuse the fixer for the development of the photography. He'd yell that all the time. Don't pour the fixture down the drain. And we'd just laugh. Ah, don't pour the fixture down. I remember the lights went out and I stood up on top of my chair and I went and I started doing all this crazy stuff, dancing around, you know, all this stuff. And nobody's laughing and I'm cracking up because nobody can see me. And I get down and I'm like, my beauty and all this stuff. And I'm like, 
<clears throat> doing all this dumb weird stuff like she knows how weird I am. And then I just go sit in my chair, you know, we do all our stuff and then the lights come on and I'm like, totally normal. And I don't know how many other people thought, yeah, I'm going to do something funny, you know, but we, nobody could see anybody. Pitch black. Three days of darkness. A darkness so dark it could be felt and that's going to blow your hair back when you realize what it was. How can you feel darkness? Oh, it's cold, Mr. Dean. Yeah, I can see that. But again, either this is figurative or it's literal. They could literally feel the darkness. I think they could literally feel it. And you're going to find out why. You're going to be like, that makes so much sense. Who's this the ultimate attack on? Raw. Raw Ra who? I'm sorry. The sun god? Oh, where are you, Raw? You're nowhere. Oh, you're nowhere. <coughs> so God is starting to really play hardball. Because he just took Ra out of the picture, said Ra is probably the strongest God in the pantheon because Ra says, I can, ca I can cause the sun to rise every day and to set. In fact, since the beginning of time, I have been powerful enough to do it every day. Can Newt say that? No, Newt can only make it hail once in a while and rain from time to time. How about Emotep? Well, not everybody gets healed. Some people die. Who's the strongest God? The God that never fails? The God that always does what he sets out to do? That's Ra. The sun has always risen and it's always set every single day and it's never missed a day. And God said, I'm sorry, Ra who? Starts sucking his thumb and God says, all right, I just got Ra out of the picture. Now the last God in the Egyptian pantheon, the God who holds the breath of life. The Pharaoh. The Pharaoh holds the breath of life. Pharaoh is who gives life and who takes it. Now does he really? Huh. Not in your wildest dreams. Do the Egyptians know that? No, they know that if the Pharaoh doesn't get up and do what the Pharaoh does, I may lose my life today. And God says, you self-righteous, smug son of a gun, you don't hold the breath of life, I do. And tonight at midnight, I'm gonna kill, selectively kill the oldest child in every family. The oldest one. Babies would be easy, but I'm going to kill the oldest one. I'm going to kill the 16-year-old, the 18-year-old, the 21-year-old, the 5-year-old, because you just had a family, a 5-year-old and a 2-year-old. I'm going to take the 5-year-old selectively. Oh, and I'm not going to stop at people just in case you think this is some kind of trick. Even the firstborn of your livestock will die. Just the firstborn, though. The oldest of all the sheep. And Pharaoh says, good luck with that one. I'd like to see him do that. And it's a standoff. It's just toe to toe. Pharaoh against God, the invisible God. And really, it's Moses against Pharaoh. The 70-year-old, the 80-year-old, I should say, against the Pharaoh. Come on. I know you. You're Uncle Moses. Come on, why are you doing all this? Come back to the palace. You grew up here. You spent 40 years here. We all know you. Why are you doing this, Moses? And Moses says, I'm sorry. I serve 
a different God. And this God, he wants to overthrow all the gods in your life. Pharaoh, well, he's not going to overthrow me. Bring it on. And at midnight, a loud cry such as has never been heard before resonated through the entire country. We're not talking about the state. We're talking about the country of Egypt from North Goshen all the way to South at Ramses and um, as far down as the Nile would turn and change direction. The entire country lost a firstborn. If you ever saw the movie, The Lord of the Rings, they light these signal fires and then the mountain over there sees that signal fire and they light their signal fire and then it goes doo, 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 over state lines, over country lines. That's what was happening. Signal fires. They've lost all their firstborn. So have they. And Pharaoh says, don't worry. Nah. I'm going to go check on my strapping young buck, the 16-year-old, handsome, strong, son. He's not breathing. He's dead. And Pharaoh falls to his knees and cries out. The death of the firstborn, including Pharaoh's firstborn, who was considered to be a God incarnate. He's the God in the flesh. He was unable to stop or save even his own son. So the 10 plagues, um, it's pretty cool, but the 10 plagues are directed mainly against the supreme God of Egypt, the Pharaoh. Some of the plagues were meant to challenge and discredit the gods, such as Ptah and Kanum, such as Kephir and Hathor, Imhotep, Nut and Set. Sure, that did all of that. That is exactly what God set out to do. Why didn't God have floating crazy, unbelievably imaginative, scary plagues. He didn't need them because he didn't have gods for those things. God's not about impressing people so that, ooh, good plague, God. That was really a great one. God doesn't care about applause. He needs to overthrow those gods in the minds of his own children, the, Egypt, the Israelites. And, he, and he's going to take a few Egyptians with him. Kind of cool. The way that Genesis is written and the fact that there are two conflicting accounts of how God created the earth should tell us that the author was trying to do something very intentional. Maybe he was trying to let a people influenced by 400 years of Egyptian religion and culture and government understand that God and not the Egyptians or the Egyptian deities is the one true God and the creator all of this. They didn't need, the Israelites don't have multiple gods. They're not polytheists. One God? Are you kidding? Can you understand how absurd that idea was? That one God could do all of this? Maybe that many gods could do all of this, sure. But that one God? No. <laughs> He'd have to be the maximally greatest, superlatively powerful being that, and Moses says, you, you haven't even begun to, to touch the tip of the iceberg with my God. Wow. So what God, P.S., 
What God is the Lord God trying to overthrow in your life? Do you worship mammon? The God of money? Is that the God of your life? Is that the God you bow a knee to and pray to and beg for a manifestation of this God? I got to have the best this, the upgraded that. I need a brand new truck. I need a lift kit. I need a subwoofer. I need the brand new stereo. I need my clothes to be the right brand. I need my equipment to be the top of the line, the best. Got to have all this stuff. Do you worship mammon? Does God want to overthrow that God in your life? Maybe you bow to Kronos, the God of time. Maybe you humbly pay homage to Popularis, the God of culture. I got to be somebody in this school. I got to be who I'm not so people will accept me and invite me to be part of their group. I worship the God of Popularis. I also worship Jesus, but I really worship Popularis. I don't know, maybe you worship Omorphia, the goddess of beauty. I know a lot of people struggle with that God or goddess. Against which gods will our God execute judgments in your life? It's something to think about because there are gods, unfortunately, that we worship. Um, we at this school also worship the God of football. And I, you can deny it all day long, but our school worships football. Our school worships sports. I'm not saying they worship it more than Jesus, but we worship sports in this school. And everybody knows it. Some sports more than others. Our culture, good grief, look at our culture. We pay baseball players $290 million to swing a wooden stick around and hit a ball. Like, really? $290 million. So I hope you spend some time today, tonight, sitting outside, looking at a tree, and asking God and yourself the question, what, which gods is God trying to overthrow in my life today, to, the, to this, this season, this year? Because I don't want to worship another God. And it's really painful when God has to execute a God in our life. As you could tell, the Egyptians suffered a lot of pain through the death of their gods. That wasn't God's intention. It was an unfortunate byproduct. But sometimes we got to go through that to realize these things don't mean anything. All right, uh, let's pray together and then the rest of the class is yours. Dear Lord God Almighty, we bow a knee before you, the ultimate God, the God, King, the creator, the designer, the author and architect of this universe. I love the movie, uh, the line from the movie Men in Black where he says, universe, universe, where did I put the universe? Uh, it's, to you, it's so small. It's, it could be hidden in a marble. Um, because you are not limited by size or space or time. God, I ask that you do overthrow the gods in our life. As a high school student, I know it's so much harder to not bow before these gods that others put before us and say, 
This is what we have to do. God, I pray you would free these Hebrew root students from any kind of thinking like that. May this lesson sink deep into our hearts and may they change our very lives starting today that we will worship you and you alone and there is no other God worthy of praise, honor, or majesty. God, forgive us when we bow a knee to our culture or the pressures of our friends and not to Jesus alone. It's in his glorious name that we pray. Amen. All right. Cool. We didn't even say the Shema today. I feel terrible.